asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're discussing what you need to do before you buy a house. Before you buy a house, there are a lot of ducks that you need to get in a row, and we're going to put those ducks in a row for people uh, in just a few minutes. I'm excited to kind of tackle this topic today. That's right, Joel. But before we kind of kick things off, we are in our new dining room space. Kate and I have renovated our house. We, we did an, a few episodes on renovating a few weeks ago. Gosh, we are so freaking happy to be back in our kitchen, in our dining room now that we have this sort of connected space for our family to spend a lot of time in. And it's nice as well for you and I to be able to record and not have the Instapot over my shoulder here, plus all the spices behind you over there, that whole thing going on. It, it was easier to get the beers from the fridge because it was just an arm's length away when we recorded in your old dining room slash kitchen because yeah. everything was mixed together in one. But but no, this is a nice new space and uh, yeah, it looks really nice and it's nice to have kind of an upgraded recording studio here at your dining room table. It's definitely more comfortable. And honestly, just the utility that Kate and I, that we have been able to get out of it as a family, we're not even done yet. We still have a punch list of things that need to be completed before we you know, write that final check, like we talked about when it comes to renovating your house. But I realized how much stress was sort of on us by not being back here and sort of having our, our usual space and feeling like we're kind of camping out. You know, We've been camping out for the past three or four months now while this has all been going on. And it's nice to be able to resume life and to pick up where we left off. Yeah, Matt. And there's some really interesting income producing aspects of your renovation that we are going to talk about in a future episode. So we're going to need some time and some numbers to come in on that. And uh, yeah, so we'll get to that maybe a few months down the road. Uh, but first, I've got a frugal versus cheap for you. Oh, bring it. <laughs> and that is school lunches. Your daughter and my daughter, they both go to the same elementary school. School lunches are $4 there. And that's for a nice lunch, right? Like it's, they have an incredible lunch program. Of, and it's like the nutrition and all the thought that goes into these meals. Like last time that my wife was there, like the kids were eating beet salad, which is amazing. Like I love beets. That's impressive. <laughs> but the fact is $4 is still a lot of money. And in our family, we're able to feed each one of us individually for $1 per meal. So this is four times that. And Kate and I were having the discussion the other day. 
And we were asking ourselves, are we withholding a sort of special experience from our daughter by not allowing her to buy a school lunch? Are we depriving her of this sort of fun thing that the other kids get to do? Because it's something that recently she's been sort of mentioning kind of on the side a little bit. She, did, she hasn't like demanded anything. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, so we actually let our daughter buy one day a week. So she buys either Mondays or Fridays. And, oh. and we usually pick the meal that we think she's going to enjoy the most based on those days. It's one fewer day that uh, that we have to pack a lunch for, her, which just kind of makes it easier to get out the door in the morning. But for the most part, we're packing lunches because it's way cheaper. Yeah. Well, that's that's where we are with it. We feel like that it's frugal right? <laughs> because otherwise we're spending four times five, so 20 bucks, four weeks a month. You're looking at 80 bucks just for lunches, just for one kid. And I don't know, part of that is we can't really get around. And like we know our lunches are just as nutritious, but there's just, I guess, the fun aspect of it that we feel we're sort of depriving Evie of a little bit. And I mean, basically, she just wants to be able to like eat pancakes when they have pancake day Ooh. or like French toast, right? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's the, definitely the one you should let her have. <laughs> and so I didn't know you guys actually did that. I didn't know you, you, you did one day a week thing. And I think we might start looking ahead to the lunch menu. And maybe when there's a day in particular that sounds ex- extra delicious, maybe we'll, uh, we'll start allowing that. You know what's cool, Matt? You can actually ask if you have an Amazon Alexa device, you can ask it to uh, read the school lunch for our school. Dude, someone told me that. I heard that recently as well. You, you know what else you can ask Alexa to do? Play our podcast. Can you really? Yeah, you can say, Alexa, play How to Money, and it'll it'll happen. So, and by the way, if anyone's listening to us right now and they have an Alexa in the room, Alexa probably just played our <laughs> podcast because I said that. All right, Matt. So real quick, let's tell everybody the beer we're drinking on the show today. Another beer from Rheingeist. Our friend Natalie, who works at Rheingeist, sent us a couple of bottles. And so today on the show, we're drinking a barrel-aged imperial stout called Ink. You know, I was looking at the bottle, man. I love how they got this little skull. They got like a droplet, I assume, of little beer dripping down from a barrel. And the little droplet has a little skull designed into it. Makes it look hardcore. <laughs> it's like a mixture of hardcore and cute. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so <laughs> small, it's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, I just took a sip. This is good. And I can't wait to delve into our full thoughts at the end of the show. But for now, let's get into the topic at hand, what to do before you buy a house. And Matt, back in episode 30 of the show, we discussed why buying a home is typically a terrible investment. And so if you're thinking about buying a home, oh man, this is going to be a great investment. And this is going to be good for me financially over the long haul. Well, that's likely not the case. And if you want to know more about that, go back and listen to episode 30. But for so many of us, buying a home has large appeal for so many other reasons besides just being a quote-unquote investment, right? So how do you buy a home intelligently in light of the fact that buying a home might not necessarily be the smartest financial decision, but it is a decision that many of us choose to make for so many other reasons? The other thing too is that it's just such a huge deal to buy a house, right? Like it's intimidating and it's a big deal and it's because it costs a ton of money. This isn't a purchase that we make frequently at all, you know, unless you're getting an FHA loan. You've got to put down like 20 or 25% for a down payment, and that is a huge amount of money. Uh, last year, the median home prices in the US were over $300,000. So we're talking at least $60,000 that you've got to put down, not including closing costs or anything else associated with a move. And because this isn't a purchase that we make all the time, we're just less familiar with the process. Like, even if this was something that we did annually, like home buyers might feel a little bit more comfortable. But the fact is, that's not the case. And so I'm glad that this is something that we're tackling. I think we've got a lot of home buyers out there, especially a lot of first time home buyers. And with this being uh, the spring, it's a hot time to buy a house for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So where do you even begin, right? Finding an agent, perusing Zillow? Nope. That's definitely not where you want to start. The first thing you need to do is take stock of your situation, your personal situation. Buying is only going to be a decent move if you plan on living in that home for seven years or longer. And if you can't make that kind of time commitment, it's almost always a bad financial move to buy a house. In that case, you're better off renting or you're going to lose money typically when you sell because of the transaction costs involved in buying and selling real estate. That's right, Joel. This reminds me of episode 15. So even further back, we talked about renting versus buying. And if you are sort of on the fence of whether you should maybe continue renting or maybe this is time for you to buy, this is sort of back in the the old days when Joel and I were recording. But go back and listen to that episode. We we talked about a lot of important things that you want to consider when it comes to renting versus buying a house. And so after the break, we're specifically going to talk about how you should be thinking about purchasing a home. Like what is the mindset that you should have? And we're also going to spend a good amount of time talking about financing because that is a very important part of buying a house. Game changer. 
asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, Joel, let's go ahead and kick this thing off, man. You know, if it turns out that you are ready to go ahead and buy a house, we've got a solid order of approach that we think that everyone should follow. First of all, Make sure that you're spending a lot of time thinking about where it is that you want to live, and especially if you are moving to a new place. This specific location that you're possibly moving to could make or break things for you. You know, It could mean maybe a longer commute for you, or it could mean a short, simple bike ride. And it can even mean higher taxes versus lower taxes. You know, If you're in a, an area that is maybe more affluent and the home values are much higher, you're going to see a bigger tax bill every single year. Yeah, man. I feel like people often don't spend enough time on the front end thinking about the specific location they want to live in. They, they maybe draw too big of an outline around where they're willing to live and they cast the net too wide. And because of that, they're not focused enough on a specific neighborhood or location. They don't figure out the specific place where they do want to live. And especially if you're moving to a new place and you're planning on buying right away, if you haven't done your research, you might end up buying a place where the location just doesn't work well for you, your family, your commute, right? And 
renting, well, that's not that big of a deal. You live there for a year, you move on to the next place. Yeah, you can just move on. Yeah, but if you buy something, man, that's a huge pain. The transaction costs are huge. That, and that's why we mentioned before the break, living in a place for seven years, potentially. That sounds like a long time. And it is a long time, but the transaction costs are killer in real estate. It can make or break the home purchase. Even if your home appreciates over time, you could still end up having to bring money to the closing table if you're only in there for three or four or, or even five years, which is kind of, I guess, been what financial experts traditionally say how long you should be in a house. So considering that location, spending more time on the front end, making sure that that location is exactly where you want to be, it's worth that due diligence because it could save you a lot of money in the long run. And the next thing you want to make sure that you're considering is the size of the house and the different amenities that you're wanting. You know, there's a balance between having enough house now and then looking ahead to your likely needs in the future. Like three hot tubs. I need three hot tubs in the future. <laughs> need them all. As we recently covered, renovating is really expensive. So you want to have enough house now. However, you also don't want to pay tons of money just to have some extra amenities that you rarely use, right? If you consider how often you use that guest bedroom or that guest bath. After doing the math, that could be the equivalent of paying $500 to $1,000 a night if you're only using those amenities just a, a few times a year. Yeah. So it might be better for you to be a little more generous and put up your friend or your family in a nearby hotel as opposed to putting them up in your own house, having a smaller house, which means right lower monthly out-of-pocket expenses. It all just really depends on your situation and what you prioritize. And also now is the time to start thinking about your credit. You know, if you kind of have had some dings on your credit, now is when you're going to want to start having that cleaned up and making sure that you qualify for the best rates because having a credit score 100 points lower than what it actually could be could end up costing you tons of money down the road. And I'm, I'm talking thousands and thousands of dollars if you don't have to qualify for the best product. Yeah, Matt. And on episode 10, we talked about how to improve your credit score, gave you kind of some tips and tricks. One thing you're going to want to stay away from is anyone who says, pay me money and I'll help you clean up your credit score. That is a no-no <laughs> because those people often are going to take your money and not help you very much. But it's definitely of utmost importance to make sure that your credit score is in tip-top shape because the ultimate terms that you're going to get from a lender, well, your credit score is going to be a huge factor in how good those terms are. And so thinking about your credit score now and how much you can boost it by doing some of the things we talked about in that episode, that is going to make a huge difference in the rate that you end up getting and ultimately what your out-of-pocket is every month on that new home purchase. That's right. Once you've done all those things, now is the time to start looking around and seeing if the different things that you value in a home, if those things fit within your budget and if they're realistic. These days, almost all home searches begin on the internet, right? Whether it be through Zillow, which is my favorite, or Redfin. I like Redfin. Do you really? Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> but even just with Google Street View, uh, you can see so much of a house in the surrounding area. You know, with satellite view, you can see what green spaces and parks there are close by by kind of zooming out a little bit. There's a lot you can do remotely before even leaving your house. The only downside, though, is that if you get your heart set on a certain size home or part of town that you can't actually afford in, right? Like, so you started looking and you realize that, like, oh, wow, in reality, I can't afford where I want to actually live you might be tempted to increase your budget. And so if you know that that's sort of how you operate, and if that's you, we would recommend to start with your budget and then limit your options based on what you can afford. And we're going to get to that in just one second. But I did want to say that everybody, no matter what your price point is, everybody has kind of a dream home. Everybody has a thought of the place that they want to live. And the reality of the budget... <laughs> never matches up to exactly what we want, right? Those three hot tubs I mentioned, Matt, I didn't get them. I don't even have one hot tub. <laughs> and it's a huge bummer. I'm not going to lie. At one of these days, hot tub. It's in the cards. Someday. <laughs> but everybody has to make trade-offs. And so just make sure before you start looking super hard and getting your heart set on things that are budget breakers, that you've kind of dialed in a dose of realism of what you can actually afford. And one of the ways that you can do that is by actually touring some homes before you're actually in the market to buy, to do some walkthroughs and see, okay, if I really want this kind of house, I might have to move to a neighborhood that isn't exactly where I want it to be. Or man, if the neighborhood location is the most important factor for me, you know what? I might have to live in a smaller house. And those are the kind of trade-offs that in all likelihood you are going to have to make. None of us get that exact perfect dream home that we want. 
And so touring homes that are on the market during this phase can be just kind of really helpful to setting some realistic expectations before you're even in the market. Right, Joel. And again, the goal here is to initially figure out what your ballpark figures are of what you can afford. Like you said, maybe after seeing the cost, you might realize that you can't actually afford in that area that you want. Or maybe after realizing that you actually need 20% down, you realize you need to save for another year. Like That's a lot of money. And that's sort of like the information gathering stage of house purchasing. Thinking a lot about it, seeing what's out there, getting a feel for the different neighborhoods. You want to do all of this before you actually start taking what we'd call real steps towards purchasing a home. Okay. Real steps though. Getting financing, right? That's a huge important step. And I got to be honest, it's the step that people usually skip. They usually call on one lender, maybe two, but often the due diligence and the research uh, that people give to getting financing is way less than they need to, and it ends up costing them a lot of money. So let's go over that. A general rule that you should think about when getting financing for a home is that you should strongly consider not taking out a loan that is more than three times your income. And you know what? A lender might say, no, it's totally okay. You qualify for a loan that is five times your income <laughs> or six times your income. It's like, no, nah, you're a baller. You got this. Yeah, you, you can make it happen. <laughs> it's okay. You know what? Don't listen to them. Listening to your lender as opposed to reason in this case is a recipe for being house poor, for buying something that you truly can't afford. And if something unexpected happens, you might not be able to afford that mortgage payment. So sticking to that rule of three times your income as the maximum purchase price for a house makes sense in our opinion. Yeah, Joel, another rule of thumb that uh, we've practiced is that your mortgage payment should not be more than 25% of your take-home pay. I think that might be a somewhat more lenient view towards towards your home. And I think that's okay as well, right? Like It's okay to have these different rules of thumb as to how much your, your housing costs are because it kind of comes down to what you value and what you want to prioritize. I know for Kate and I, this is literally a discussion that we've had before where we, we've said, do we want to spend more than maybe we should on, on our housing? And we've identified the fact that with a bunch of young kids, like we spend a lot of time at home. We value our time at home. Like both Kate and I are both homebodies. And so that's something that we've intentionally pursued. And we know that we're more comfortable spending maybe a little bit more on our house. And that's okay. As long as you have proactively identified that as something that you do want to pursue. And so whatever your guidelines, you just want to make sure that you're not spending too much on housing than you can afford. And for you in particular, Matt, housing is also actually you know where you do your work. And so you... It's my home office as well. That's yeah. Right. So it's got a dual purpose. I will say though, there was a stat I saw recently, almost 15% of Americans spend over 50% of their income on housing. Oh, geez. That's, that's just, a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's an awful place to be. And so, yeah, we just don't want you to be in a place of weakness when it comes to buying a home. And if you're in a situation, obviously a mortgage lender typically isn't going to allow you to get into that kind of space. But you know what? If you follow what a lender tells you you can afford, there's a good chance you're going to get into a position where you can't afford your mortgage with a comfortable level of savings and investing at the same time. And that's not the place that we want you to be. We want you to be in a place of strength in housing. And if that means you need to look at buying in a different neighborhood or look at buying a smaller home, we think that's a trade-off you need to be willing to consider because being house poor is no fun. Oh, Joel, also financing. Like We didn't really define it. And I think most people know what financing is, but that's just sort of a fancy term for how you're going to pay for your house. Unless you have cash to buy your home. And if you do have cash to purchase your home, you probably know what financing is. <laughs> and you reach dollars. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, basically, pretty much everyone is going to be financing their home. And that just means getting a loan for the purchase of that home. And when it comes to getting that financing, right, getting that loan for your house, well, credit unions are a great place to start. So if you're not a member of a local credit union, we would encourage you to go join one and make sure you're shopping rates with the credit union that you're a member of. Also consider contacting a mortgage broker in your area. They often have access to a whole slew of lenders. And so they can help you find some of the best rates available on the market. Ultimately, you're going to want to make sure you go with a lender that has experience and that can close quickly. Lenders that have a solid reputation that have been doing it for years, you can just feel a lot more comfortable with that. And closing quickly, well, that's just going to allow you to take advantage of some of the best housing deals that you find. 
Yeah, we mentioned financing and when it, making sure you have that lined up before you even seriously start looking at houses. And that's a big reason why, Joel. Like You want to have financing in place. That way, when it does come time to look at houses, you can pounce. You can move quickly. Because in hot real estate markets where sellers just have tons of buyers coming to them, they're going to typically go with whoever can come to them the quickest with the best offer. And so you may not be able to show up with the best offer, but you can definitely get your foot in the door. You can have a leg up if you can turn it around quickly and you've got your ducks all in a row. And real quick as well, Joel, you mentioned credit unions. This might be helpful for our listeners, but so credit unions are essentially the same as banks, right? Like they, they all offer savings and checking accounts and offer loans, whatnot. But credit unions are nonprofit and typically offer better rates. And then you've got mortgage lenders and they typically will be faster and more streamlined since they're only in the business of making loans. Oftentimes, they end up selling your mortgage to a bank, uh, typically to one of the big ones. And you know the big bank will be the ones that end up servicing your loan. And then Joel, you, you, know, you already mentioned brokers, but they kind of shop around for you. And they might be a great fit for you in particular if you're self-employed or if you have a unique buying situation. They're aware of the different products that are out there and might be able to sort of custom fit something more to, to you and your needs. And, and they get paid either directly by the lender or a lot of times uh, their fees are baked directly into your rate. I know for like Kate and I specifically, we sh- maybe should have considered a broker early on, like when we got our first house, because we had only been in business for one year. And because of that, we got stuck with a terrible adjustable rate mortgage that we had to refinance just a few years later. And that cost a lot of money. Yeah. So if you don't have a credit union and you're in the market for a house, well, go to NCUA. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. That's going to be the website where you can find a local credit union in your area. And so be sure to shop, shop, shop. You're going to want to get three to five quotes minimum. So many people, Matt, like I mentioned quickly earlier, skip this step. And you know what? It ends up costing them thousands, if not potentially tens of thousands of dollars over the long run. And it's not usually the closing costs that are the biggest difference, although that can be you know a few thousand dollars even in difference between different lenders. Often it's going to be that slight difference in interest rate combined with those closing costs that can cost you tens of thousands of dollars depending on the price of your home. So you're going to want to make sure you get a couple quotes from credit unions, uh, a mortgage broker involved, a local lender, an online lender. Like You're going to want to kind of run the gamut. You're going to want to get a lot of quotes so that you can bring them to the table, look at the apples to apples comparisons, and go with the lender that has the best overall package for you. Yeah. And the actual document, man, that you're going to want to use to compare those apples to apples is the loan estimate document. It's going to have your points on there, your interest rate, your closing costs, uh, just everything that you're going to want to take into account when it comes to shopping the different lenders. And Matt just mentioned getting an adjustable rate mortgage when he bought his first house. We would highly advise against getting an adjustable rate mortgage. Yeah, they suck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that can lead to a lot of problems down the road. And so the 30-year fixed is kind of the standard in lending. That's kind of what most lenders are going to steer you towards. And it's also one of the best products on the market. But you should challenge yourself to consider a 15-year or a 20-year mortgage if your lender offers it. And almost every lender offers at least a 15-year. If you can barely afford the 30-year payment, though, you should really question whether or not you can afford the home. It's worth looking at the 15 and 20-year mortgage options to see if one of them can fit in your life. If they can, you're going to get a lower interest rate and you're going to obviously be paying on your loan for a lot less years. The trade-off is that you'll be paying more every month towards the price of your house. But if you can't make a 15 or 20-year mortgage work for you, a 30-year mortgage is a great way to go. Just make sure that you can easily afford that 30-year mortgage payment in your monthly budget. Yeah, man. The reason for that is because you just want to have margin in your life. When you own a home, there are a lot of things that can go wrong. There's a roof, there's electrical, there's furnaces, there's just all sorts of systems. And plus, a lot of times you just want to spend money on your house. Uh, Typically, homes are maybe a little bit larger than the space that you've been renting. And so there are just other expenses that you want to make sure that you're easily able to pay. And if the monthly mortgage payment is equivalent to what you're paying in rent, depending on your income, that's potentially a red alert. Because when you were renting, you weren't having to pay for any sort of upkeep. And on a new home, guess what? Upkeep is your responsibility. So unless you could easily afford the amount that you were paying in rent, you're going to want to find a house that provides you with a monthly mortgage payment that actually comes in at less than what you were paying in rent. And as far as upkeep and maintenance, Joel, like most experts say to expect to pay 1% of the cost of your home. 
And so, you know, earlier I mentioned that the median price of homes in the, in the United States last year was over 300000 That means you're looking at spending $3,000 additional every year just to maintain your home. And while we're on the topic of percentages, make sure that you have enough for a down payment. You know, if you don't have at least 5% down, you probably shouldn't be shopping around for a home. 20% is best. You're going to be able to get the best rates. There are some products out there that allow you to put down less. You're looking at 3.5% for an FHA loan, for a VA loan, even 0%. The fact is those don't put you in a strong position. Uh, It doesn't put you in a strong position when it comes to the equity that you have in the home. But also when it comes to trying to purchase that home and make offers, those products just don't look quite as strong. And we'll get more into that next week, actually. Yeah, Matt. And I think if you're bringing less down payment to the table you need to actually be willing to stay in the home even longer. (laughs) Forget seven years, how about 10? Right, (laughs) or the rest of your life, right? (laughs) No, but seriously, because if you're putting 20% down on a home and you stay there for five years, the chances of you selling your home and going to the closing table and having to write a check are are highly unlikely. But if you buy a house with 0% down with a VA loan or 3.5% down with an FHA loan, and you're only there for four or five years, the chances of you having to write a check at the closing table, well, they're pretty high. And you might not have the money to cover it. And so if you are going to come to the table with less money down, which I don't think is the end of the world necessarily, it helps get a lot of people in a home that they really want. Just consider how long are you going to be in the home? And you might need to just extend that timeline in order to make it work. Yeah, Joel, we're going to talk specifically about the different fees and costs associated with purchasing a house next week. But right after the break, we're going to cover your new best friend who's going to save you tons of money, your realtor. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the Money app 
Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Matt, let's talk realtors. It turns out most people find a realtor from their cousin's best friend or Facebook or something like that, right? And that's just not the best way to find a realtor in your area. And I said in your area, because it's really important to find someone who specializes in the neighborhood or town where you live. An agent with experience and connections is priceless. They know the ropes, they know the system, they know the people. And so one way to find that right agent is looking at for sale signs of homes that are for sale in your target area. If you see the same agent on lots of them, that's a great agent to consider asking to represent you in the home buying process. The same thing applies when you're looking at listings online. If you see that same name popping up over and over at homes that you're interested in, they're probably a great choice to be your representative agent as a buyer. Yeah, you know, man, when you have a great realtor who is focused and specialized in a specific area, there's a good chance they'll know of deals even before they even hit MLS and and before they go public. There is a chance that you can get a really great deal. Yeah, those are called pocket listings. And by the way, you just mentioned MLS. That's the multiple listing service. And that's where pretty much everybody who wants to sell a house lists their home. If you're for sale by owner, it's harder to get your home on the MLS. But the MLS, that's like the holy grail. You have to have your home on there in order to get maximum exposure to all the buyers that you want to potentially reach. It's like Apple Podcasts for podcasts, right? If your podcast ain't there, (laughs) ain't nobody listening, right? But also keep in mind too that the internet is honestly changing what it looks like to go and look at homes with your realtor. Like it used to be back in the day that your realtor would send you maybe six or seven, you know, homes that they've handpicked and you get to go and you tour them and you decide, oh, is this one going to be nice? Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But it was kind of time consuming, kind of old school. Did you do that with your first house? Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> there was a lot of Saturday driving around yes. with my realtor, yep. which is fascinating because now I feel like so much of the process is, is shouldered by the buyer. Yeah, which is good though, I think, because it's completely, it's, yeah, it's more efficient. And because there are tools out there now that allow the buyers to have more autonomy to search and to make their own filters and to create their own criteria to find the home themselves. And, and what that means though, is that you plan to meet at the house with your realtor, but you don't have to drive around in their car while you know making awkward conversation. <laughs> yeah. And so you mentioned that sometimes realtors who specialize in a neighborhood might have access to what are called pocket listings. And that means that they hear about something that's going to come up for sale or something that's just kind of on the DL. They're on the inside and they know what's coming up. And so it's good to have an agent who is connected, who's well-connected and who has access to pocket listings like that. So for example, Matt, I've got a real estate agent. She's the best. Typically, I'm searching on my own on the MLS for properties that interest me. But if a pocket listing comes up that she hears about that fits my parameters, she knows what I'm looking for. She will send it to me and she'll say, hey, I know that you're in the market for this kind of property. Does this interest you? This is coming up on the market in a couple of weeks. And I know about it ahead of time so we could get in ahead of other potential buyers by being quick and jumping on it now. And so that's one of the benefits that having an experienced agent can offer you. In addition, I feel like an experienced agent helps you with the negotiation process. And I know that potential home buyers might be a little more apprehensive to a realtor taking kind of a bite out of the pie, taking a percentage fee. And we'll talk about this more next week, but having a great agent is similar to having a great lawyer in a court of law. They're going to help you in the negotiation process. And in all honesty, I've had great agents that have saved me more than the fee that they're taking. So don't cheap out on an agent. Find a good one. And we've already mentioned Zillow, right? That's my favorite. Joel, you mentioned Redfin, how that's your favorite. 
they're amazing tools and they allow home buyers to do a ton of research on their own. It allows them to really get to know a neighborhood and familiarize themselves with what an area has to offer. However, don't neglect to actually go visit and go drive around the streets in person. There's so much that you can gather from just being there as a human being. Yeah, and you're going to want to drive those streets not only during the day, but at night too. Because some neighborhoods, I don't know where you live, but, but where we live, neighborhoods can change from day to evening. And so driving by at different times of day can help you get a better feel for the neighborhood. And not only uh, different times during the day as well, man, but just on the weekends too. So by checking it out on the weekend as well, just drive by and see what's going on over there. That's an awesome way to get a feel for the community. And you can also do something that I like to call the wave test, which is when you're driving around in an area that you're scoping out, you know, have your window down. Hopefully it's not too bitterly cold. And then when you see someone kind of walking down the street or hanging out on the front porch, just wave at them. What you get to do is you get to see how friendly they are. And if they just kind of stare at you and glare, well... I don't know. Maybe this isn't the best street or or maybe they're just having a bad day. I don't know. Is there like a percentage of waivers <laughs> that you're looking for in a neighborhood to determine whether it's worth uh, buying a house in or not? Like in general, I am looking for f- folks that are just happy to see me, right? Like if everyone that you wave to just stares at you and they're wondering why it is that you're waving at them. It's like, I don't know. I, I want to live somewhere that's friendlier. I want to live on a friendly street. And for me personally, that's something I value. I like it. The wave test. Yeah, another important thing to do, Matt, not only perusing Zillow and Redfin, right? The more weeks and months you spend on those sites, perusing homes and neighborhoods, it's, it's going to help you. But it's also important for people to take a look at a lot of homes in person, especially for first-time home buyers. This is the largest purchase you're going to make potentially in your life. So do the research and not only the online research, but the more homes that you see in person, you're going to start to see the quirks that different homes present. If you look at three homes before you make an offer, you're just in a much inferior position to someone who's looked at 50 homes before they make an offer. You just have a whole lot more idea of what you're getting into if you've looked at a much larger percentage of homes. Yeah, Joe, I love that you said first-time homebuyers as well, because I know for Kate and I, as first-time homebuyers, it took us a while to figure out what it was exactly that we were looking for. Like It took us looking at 10 houses before we realized that like, oh, we're looking for a bungalow we're looking for a front porch. Like that's the kind of home, that's the kind of vibe that we're looking for. And because we've never owned a home, we didn't quite know how to verbalize that to our realtor. And she didn't know because she's just like, well, this is how much you said you could spend. And this is, these are the areas (laughs) that I know you can afford in. Yeah. I fit it in your parameters. (laughs) I don't understand. But what we didn't realize was that, oh, we're looking for a front porch. And typically bungalows have a front porch. And typically you can find these 1920s bungalows in these types of neighborhoods. For first time home buyers, it's, I think it's really important to, to look at as many homes as possible. And also when you're looking at these different homes, make sure you're taking lots of pictures, especially of sort of like the weird things, right? The different quirks, the things that aren't in the pictures of the listings, because the listing photos, they look really good because they're taken by a professional real estate photographer. <laughs> and they're made to make that house look as large as possible uh, while excluding all the different oddities. And so by taking pictures and even jotting down a few notes will help you to remember these different homes. And that might also help you to remember the different feelings that you had when you went into these homes. Because you know if you're looking at maybe three or four, maybe five homes in a row, a lot of times they can kind of blur together. And sure, you can go back and look at the pictures, but having some additional photos on your phone is an awesome way to sort of document the the weirdness of that particular house. Yeah, Matt, speaking of quirky things, I think especially a lot of first-time homebuyers, but homebuyers in general, they kind of want that fully put-together home, right? And the fully put-together home can have a couple of issues with it. One, it can be prohibitively expensive to have the home that has like granite countertops and everything's completely finished properly. And the other thing is maybe it can look slick on the outside, but beneath, nothing's really been replaced. There's old electrical, there's old plumbing. And so it can look good to the naked eye, but down deep, that house has a lot of potential issues with it. And so, yeah, do you have thoughts on what people should be looking for when they're buying a house when it comes to finishes and curb appeal? Yeah. Well, I mean, in regards to like the specific systems, right? Like we're going to talk a lot about that next week. We're going to talk about inspections. We're going to talk about the specific steps that you want to take when it comes to actually purchasing a home, the things that you can't see. But I want to encourage folks to not be afraid to look at ugly houses. Like you said, a lot of times we're sort of turned off by just weird things. Like you walk into a house and you think, oh, it doesn't smell like y'all want it to smell or like there's weird art on the walls. But those are all things that you can change. Paint color, 
even a chandelier in the dining room, like these are things that are easily modified that you can quickly change to make that home feel more like your own home. And so, I, I mean, I just want to encourage folks to not be afraid to purchase a home that might feel a little ugly, but it's got the amenities. It's got the, the room count and it's got the number of bathrooms that you're looking for, or it's in the right area that you're looking at. You want to make sure that the crucial, like the most important things are, are taken care of. Don't be turned off by, oh, they've got weird pendants over their bar. I would never put those in my house. Well, it doesn't matter. You can swap those out. I see first-time homebuyers sort of fall into this line of thinking, right? And it keeps them from purchasing a home that they could really get a deal on and then spend a couple hundred bucks on after the fact and truly make their own in just maybe a couple weekends worth of work. Yeah. If you're looking at wood paneling or old cabinets with old hardware, those are the kind of things that you can quickly change for almost no money. Uh, But those are the kind of things that so many homebuyers write a house off because of, even though it is a solid home in the place where they want to live, they say, nope, it's antiquated. It doesn't fit my style needs. I I think it's really good advice, Matt. That's something you want to avoid judging a house purely based on because there are so many other intangibles. Maybe dealing with those things and being able to fix those little things up over time can help you get into the size house that you want in a neighborhood that you like and then make that house your own over time. Plus, you mentioned wood paneling. It all comes around, dog. I feel like wood paneling is hot. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true, man. When we bought our house, it has the original wood molding from the 1920s. Yeah, the trim around your door, but yeah, the, like the crown molding and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there, it's all unpainted original wood molding. Original and, stain. It's amazing. It's hard to find, <laughs> right? And I remember walking in with my wife and she said, well, maybe if we painted this white, it'd be a little bit better. And I was like, no, no, no. no. We can't do that. We can't do that. This is original. I mean, this is 100 years yeah. worth of age on this beautiful trim. No one's painted it yet. We can't be the ones to do that. We're not going to touch that patina. Yeah. And so we grew into it and we love it. I mean, I loved it from the get go, but we've really grown into it. And that's just the kind of thing that once you've lived in the house for you know, a matter of months, that stuff just doesn't bother you like it did when you walked in there the first time. Your eyes are attuned to every single detail as a first time home buyer, especially walking through a home. And you know what? You can change little things over time. And also some of those things that bothered you maybe upon first walkthrough, just aren't that big of a deal as you grow into the home. Let's go ahead now and uh, take us back to the beer. We've got Rheingeist Brewery, and today we're drinking Ink, (laughs) which sounds weird to say, but this is an imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels. This beer, to me, Matt, felt like a quintessential stout. None of the flavors necessarily stuck out in a major way. Nothing was off-putting. It was just amazingly nice, pleasant bourbon barrel aged stout. If anything stuck out in my mind just a little bit, there was a little bit of kind of light fruitiness, almost like Ooh. a Belgian quad or something like that. Oh, yeah, dude. Kind of mixed in. Yeah, look at you with your uh, fine tasting notes. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about becoming a sommelier, <laughs> maybe in my next life. We'll see. But yeah, this was super delicious. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice, man. I am with you. This was an incredibly well-balanced beer. You know, when you think of like the, the classic or the quintessential college experience and you think of, you know, the perfect college town and you've got the sports and you've got the academics and... It kind of has it all. And that's what I feel about this beer when it comes to a bourbon barrel aged stout. It's sort of quintessential. It's got everything you want. It's got the barrel. It's got the dark flavors. It's got a cool name, ink. It's got everything you think of when you want to have a dark, uh, boozy bourbon barrel aged stout. Yeah. And I'm incredibly thankful that our friends over at Ryan Geist sent this our way. We're looking forward to hopefully someday visiting that sweet tasting room that we mentioned last episode just this amazing industrial space. And that's one of the things I love about breweries is how they're sort of reclaiming these old massive spaces that have been neglected and turning them back into spaces that people can enjoy and serve amazing craft beer in. All right, Matt, on to our final thoughts, what to do before you buy a house. Well, just remember, houses cost a lot of money. And any time that you can spend researching and familiarizing yourself on the front end will prevent you from making an ill-advised decision. Buying a bigger house than you need, buying a house that you're unwilling to stay in for seven years or longer. Don't be afraid to spend more time before you buy in order to ensure that you're making the right decision. Also, now is the time to clean up your credit. You want to make sure you have things in order before it comes time to applying for your mortgage. It takes time to straighten out your credit, so make sure you go ahead and get started on that well before you start shopping and putting offers on houses. Yeah, a good credit score can make a huge difference in the rate that you end up getting offered, which has a specific correlation to the out-of-pocket costs of your mortgage every month. And in regards to that, getting financing, 
Be sure to shop, shop, shop. You want to make sure you get three to five quotes minimum. Most people skip this step. They go with one lender and it ends up costing them thousands of dollars. Getting multiple loan estimates that you can compare against each other will save you lots of money. And also, don't underestimate the importance of a great neighborhood agent who's familiar with your area. And while you're looking at different houses, keep in mind, you want to look at a ton of houses, especially if you're a first-time homebuyer. And don't forget the wave test and to see how maybe receptive the community might be to you. And also, don't be distracted by weird furnishings. You know, a house with less curb appeal could be an incredible deal for you. All right, Matt, this episode has been about before you buy a house. Next week, we're going to get into, I'm ready to buy a house. What do I do? All right. And so we're going to get into all those specifics a week from today. So make sure you check out next week's episode for more details on what's next in the process. And so everyone, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll have our show notes up for you on our website, howtomoney.com. And also, if you have some feedback for us, if, if you feel like that we have left some things out or that we have some room for improving, go to howtomoney.com forward slash do better. And there you'll be able to send us a note. And we would love to hear your feedback. We are always trying to improve and make sure that we're doing things well. So we'd appreciate it if you shot us a message. Yeah. And if you like the show and you found it helpful, we'd appreciate it if you would consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And also, if you dig it, hit the subscribe button while you're there. Joel, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.